You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, this is Leslie. I'm so excited. I'm here with my friend Lizzie Langston. And Lizzie, tell us about yourself. Hello everybody. Hey, so yes, my name's Lizzie. I am a mom of three and I'm also a certified life coach from the Life Coach School. Um, I found life coaching as a solution to the second bout of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety that I had. So that is me. (laughs) (laughs) And tell us like how you dug out of those trenches. How did it become something that you knew? Oh my gosh, like I've got to get out of this. I got to make something better. Tell us kind of the beginnings of that part. Yeah. What motivates that for you? I will, I will tell you that I was, I remember so vividly, I was sitting on a couch. Okay. I mean, so at this, at this point, we had sold our house and I'll get to this when I tell the story, but I got to, I mean, this is so good. We sold our house and moved to Colorado to live with my in-laws in their basement. So at this time I had a newborn and two toddlers and I, my husband had to wrap up things at his job. So the kids and I went to Colorado because it was that urgent. Like that's how much I was not functioning and my thoughts were intrusive and such. Oh my goodness. So I'm sitting on, so I go up there and I'm still not functioning and they're like so sweet. My in-laws are, my sister-in-law, they're helping me and I am still kind of jello in my brain. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good definition for that, jello. It's so jello. It's so (laughs) jello. So they offered so, so nicely. They gave me their flight points and flew me back to Arizona, just me. And I kind of pumped, kind of weaned the baby. It was bittersweet, but I went to Arizona and was with my husband and I just helped pack up the boxes of the rest of our house during the day while he did his last two weeks. So I stayed in Arizona for 10 days without kids. And I remember I was sitting on the couch one day by myself, like just thinking, how am I going to do this? How, like I've tried, I had tried therapy. I, with a PhD in behavioral studies specific to postpartum, like through my birth center, I'd tried it. I had tried antidepressants. I was at the maximum dosage. We even, my OB and I upped the dosage before I had the baby to the max dosage and I couldn't go higher. Um, yeah. and, and so that was, you know, there, a fail, whatever. And then I had also gone to the local postpartum support groups during like up in Denver when I'd been there and nothing, just nothing seemed to be working. And I had to return eventually to my kids. They didn't actually book a re- re- return ticket, um, they didn't want to put that pressure on me. They just said, you know, figure out, go heal. And and we were both like kind of clueless, but of how that was going to happen. But so I remember sitting on this couch and I just promised God, I just said, if I, if, like, if you can show me how to get out of this and when I get out of this, like I had the belief that I would somehow, which was amazing. And I do think that was such a gift. Um, and that's truly, I think all you need by the way, but we can talk more about that. But I just, I remember 
remember thinking, I will help other moms. And, and I remember, you know, I don't call it a vision. I just call it like, I just saw myself on stage talking to other women. Um, and I didn't know what I was doing. It's not like I knew anything else beyond that. I just knew that I could help others. And I wanted to, because this was so hellish and this was so just icky and low and scary and life threatening for me. Totally. And, um, so serious. I had never, I mean, here I am, you know, I've got these three kids in four years and I'm just this sweet little Christian LDS mom, just like doing what I have seen modeled through generations and being so good. And I'm like, what is happening? I can't function. And I, you know, the shame that we feel to tell our husbands, the real reality of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's when life coaching entered. So I'm going to take y'all back to the beginning of the story, but I just wanted to set up the context, like, and tell this audience, um, cause I know this is just a, a bunch of moms and, and women, um, that I know what you're going through. And, um, it is so comforting to know that other women are going through it. And as a life coach, I want to tell you that sometimes that's not enough either, you know, like knowing that other people are going through it, but sometimes you got to go get some tools. You got to go get some help. And whether that's like some of the other things I tried, like therapy or antidepressants, or whether you decide to hire a life coach or something, um, sometimes it takes a little bit of outside help, maybe for the first time. Like for me, this was the first time that I ever really needed to rely on a trained professional in my life and that's okay. So we gotta, we gotta drop that shame. And I love that you are so relentless in that, that you went through different things. You know, you went through the antidepressants and the counseling and all the things. I think that's so incredible because it's so easy to give up when you don't find the right doctor or the right medication. Uh, I love that you just keep going. That's so incredible. No, you can't afford to give up. I mean, in the depths of depression, like it's, it's either you listen to those scary thoughts in your brain about committing suicide or hurting your kids, or you keep talking, you know, locking eyes with the people in your life that love you, like your husband and your mother-in-law and your mother and whoever it is. And you try something else Mm -hmm. because what's the alternative. Right. And so I'm so, I think it's so beautiful. Like I really believe I don't expect my, the people that get on a consult with me I don't expect them to know how to heal. I can do that for them. Just like my coach did it for me. We just have to believe that healing is possible. Oh, I love that. I just got the chills. That's it. That is it. The universe will meet you halfway, but you have to believe that healing is possible, that a solution is out there, and then you will be have the eyes to see it when it crosses your path. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. That's what I've witnessed with my healing journey as well. It's so true. Okay, so bring us back. Tell okay, us, tell us the beginning. Now, okay, this is so fun. You guys, this is such a good story. Like, grab some popcorn. I'm not <laughs> even saying that because it's my story. Like, this was... Sometimes I chuckle. I'm like, wow. I call him Heavenly Father, God, however you want to call him. I'm like, wow. This was like, I was really mad at you that you were letting me go through this. But it's such a beautiful... It was so beautifully crafted. So, I guess that's another piece of hope to offer, too. Is like, what if one day this really crappy part of your life can be the most beautiful part as well in so many ways. And I think that that's, that's been the tale for me. So without further ado, (laughs) what'd you say? I said, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful disaster. Yes. Amen, sister. Okay. So it all started once upon a time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, 
So I got married in 2012, and we had our first baby about 18 months later. And um, I actually like went swimming when I had him, and I was super healthy. My OB was always like, oh, you know, you look great, whatever. Um, but I go in, it's two weeks before my due date. I'm going in for the weekly appointment, right? And the people that like walk you into the doctor, what do they call the assistants, the techs, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They just kept looking at me like, are you okay? Is your baby okay? I was like, what's going on? <laughs> but oh, I hate no. Yeah, I'm like, don't ever ask me if my baby's okay. It scares <laughs> me. Um, so anyway, find out I have protein in my urine. I've got preeclampsia. They don't know why it's there. They don't know what causes preeclampsia, but they just said it was, I mean, you're at risk of a seizure at this point. So we're going to get you to the hospital. We're going to get you hooked up and monitored. And if it doesn't go down in the next few hours, we're going to induce you and you're going to have this baby tonight. So I go into the hospital, call my husband. He's taking a midterm exam. He comes and meets up with me and I have, I have the baby at 10 PM. Now in labor, they induced me. So they put me on Pitocin. They also put me on magnesium, which is a muscle relaxant. And I want to tell you that for about like four years after this experience, I still didn't understand everything that happened to me in the hospital and why. And, um, for about four years, I had a lot of anger and a lot of resentment towards the doctor. I had a lot of sadness about my story and, and, and bitterness and things. Um, and I came to recognize through talking with the fellow life coach who also happens to be a midwife, a certified nurse midwife, you know, that he was trying to preserve my brain. And in, like, so a uterus can be replaced or, or taken out or whatever if mm-hmm. it's causing harm, but your brain cannot. And so anyway, I, that's important for what I'm about to tell you, which is that I got on magnesium during labor. Baby was great. He was fine. But about 12 hours postpartum in the middle of the night, I, I still get like, ugh, talking about it. Um, I had like a pain in my stomach and I didn't know what it was. It was kind of a dull throbbing pain. So I had a nurse come in, she starts pressing on my abdomen and softball sized blood clots <gasps> start coming. So I'm hemorrhaging. And oh my this gosh. is like trigger warning a minute too late, but <laughs> if you guys, you might want to skip through this little part of the story. No, nothing else. That's the worst of what happens, but, um, I don't have anesthesia, um, but I'm hemorrhaging and they can't get it to stop because of the magnesium. So this is why I was hemorrhaging is the magnesium is a muscle relaxant. So my uterus wasn't able to contract the way that a uterus usually does. And so the blood just pooled. And, um, anyway, so it just, it, kept coming out. And so the OB that was on call pressed the emergency button and all the nurses on the floor were in my room. She was luckily a small framed woman <laughs> because she was elbow deep in me with no anesthetic after oh. labor, 12 hours after labor, right? Scraping things out. She was convinced part of the placenta was still in there, but it wasn't, it was just a magnesium, you know, Oh my gosh. Havoc. That's so traumatic. <sighs> oh, so anyway, I lost um, two units of blood I had a two-unit blood transfusion a few hours later. I got a priesthood blessing from my husband to um, help me through it. And, yeah, all was okay. Um, the reason that that comes into play, though, is that after my second baby, everything was fine until they wheeled me into the postpartum recovery room, which is where all the crap went down after baby number one. But I didn't put that together. Like, I didn't realize that my brain and body were just responding to that past experience. I just knew that I couldn't breathe. Okay. So if you've ever had postpartum anxiety, uh, 
it just feels like you can't catch your breath, right? And it feels, and, and there, that that's the start of it. Then it can go into physical sensations all throughout your body. It's crazy. It's like nuts. I have clients who, I have clients who literally have like headaches and aches and throbs in their arms or in their breasts as part of their anxiety. So interesting wow. how the body does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, after baby number two is when my postpartum anxiety and depression really started. Oh, I'm sure that, that, I mean, like you said, just to like dig up all that past trauma before. Yeah. And fear and all the things. So what happens after you go home from the hospital? How yeah, long does it so stay with after, you? So yeah, in the hospital, I had a couple panic attacks, did not know what was happening. My sweet husband, like got out my lavender essential oil. I'm a doTERRA girl kind of on the side. And so got that out and was um, helping, like he was like rubbing my palms and just talking me through some meditations, which was amazing. <laughs> um, he's so sweet. Um, I think he was totally making it up as he went, but it was helpful. <laughs> and then <laughs> whatever works, what I, as they do. Um, but the fact was, I had no idea what was happening. I, I told you before a little bit, Leslie, I have had maybe, I had had maybe one panic attack. Um, I had ne- in my life before this, before motherhood, and I had never experienced anxiety and, and known to call it that in my life before motherhood, really. And so this was completely new to me. But because I how freaked out I was, they my doctor asked and required that I stayed in the hospital and be seen by the psychiatrist. So my husband and older son went home, and I was just at the hospital, like with baby, you know, just wanting to go home more than anything. Um, but yeah, so I had some panic attacks once I finally did get home. Um, and I actually called the hotline at the hospital, which was a really interesting experience. Like, really? I'm so, I'm kind of impressed that I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's like you, like, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Cause Already off the bat to be seeking assistance and calling. That's most people take yeah. so long to do that. Yeah. But I'm the kind of girl like I, in college, I was the one that would raise her, cl- raise her hand in class like three or four times, even though I figured like maybe I've already spoken once or twice. It's probably a little faux pas or whatever to keep raising your hand. But I was like, look, like this is my education I'm paying for it. Like I want to get, I want to learn the answers to my questions. <laughs> and you know, all the quiet people that are too shy are grateful. Cause that's the same question they wanted to ask. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's true. Yeah. So what so, they say on the call? Yeah. He's like, he said, put some lemon on your tongue or under your tongue or something. So I did that. And then honestly, it was just hearing another human voice yeah. that was anonymous that I didn't have to worry about them judging me that they, their sole purpose was there to help me. Um, I think that's half of the beauty of coaching. Like, of course, it's awesome that our coaches have tools and things. But mm-hmm. even if they didn't, also, it's so amazing to just have someone who knows what you've been through, who cares and has dedicated time to set aside just for you and your concerns and what's scary for you and all that. Mm-hmm. So how did you get past that and brave enough to have another? Okay, such a good question. Um well, okay, before we go there, I do have to share a really crazy experience, which was um, one of these panic attacks. So, my, like, I had anxiety for months, and it just was, like, ebbed and flowed, and I kind of did some yoga, and I did 
you know, got to know some oils. I had a friend do Reiki on me. Like I tried all sorts of stuff because I was just desperate. Like it just felt terrible. I remember one time I was convinced I was dying because I felt like I was bleeding internally. Like I was convinced that's what was happening. So I yelled at my husband to call 911 and he was like, don't you think this might be just you being a little bit freaked out? And I was like, no, like I'm dying. Abram. I was like, call the ambulance. And then they came and of course everything's fine. And he was like, so nice. He's like, do you think this could be anxiety, maybe? <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Oh, man. Oh, like three full-grown adult men that I had no idea who they were, and here I am, like, you know, interrupting their day. Whatever, all the thoughts we have. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so how did I get past it to have another one? Is that what you asked me? Yeah, that's like I always, women that have had postpartum, especially that deep, where it's like, how do you find the strength to do it again? Do you just forget? You're far enough okay. out of it, you forget? No. Hell no, you don't forget. Because close together. <laughs> no, I did not forget at all. And in fact, I seriously considered this decision to have a third. Because um, my third baby after this, so after my second baby was this first round of postpartum anxiety. Oh my gosh, I didn't even get into the postpartum depression, which um, like a month after my daughter was born, my son got bronchiolitis, which turned into pneumonia for my newborn. Oh. And then... My older son got double ear infections and was dizzy and had a febrile seizure hit one night and he had a, a seizure and, and like wasn't responding to me. So he had to go to the hospital, rightfully like zero damage. Apparently febrile seizures are, are scary looking, but they don't actually hurt your child's brain. But anyway, I didn't know that. I didn't even know what a febrile seizure was. <laughs> I'm just so, sitting here with my have, mouth like wide open. Oh, that's just the beginning. I got food poisoning. Our kids got pink dye. This was all between January and March 2016. And that is what was the catalyst for me to get into a depressive, numb state. My mom was across the country serving a mission. Um, My mother-in-law was out of state. And so, yeah. Everything stacked up against you. Yeah. And my husband was in school. And I just, I think so much of my suffering, and I really want friends, mothers, fellow lovies, like, like, so much of the suffering in this case and in so many cases with my clients is 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 before you understand what you're going through like before you're able to put a name on it it's just like an addiction like if you don't realize you're addicted you're addicted you don't seek out the help you just think that, that you're just having a hard time but it's normal it's your you new don't realize normal. how much help you're vulnerable what'd you say it's your new normal yeah you rationalize it like that and that's a, that's a survival mechanism but unfortunately, if you just call it your new normal, like if we're going to call everything a name and you choose the name, this is a new normal and not depression or anxiety or not normal, then you're, you're not going to reach out and get help. And that might be fine, but many times it's not. And it's the reason, the number one reason I would say we stay and we sit in suffering. It's like a frog, right? That if you throw a frog into a pot of boiling water, it's going to jump out and be like, heck no. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, <laughs> But we boil slowly as postpartum moms. We boil slowly. And so so we don't know to jump out because it's just gradually getting more and more and more. And we just keep telling ourselves we should be able to do it. That's the other thing. I did this to myself. We're just like, oh, I should be able to handle this. Mm -hmm. And she she gets it over there. Why isn't it harder? If if she can do it, I should be able to do it. Yep. And then rears the ugly head of guilt and shame, which, Uh yeah. And what do we want to do when we're in shame? We hide. Hide. <laughs> we hide. And that helps, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Which Real is helpful. why I love the concept of coaching because I feel like it gives you that private space where you're not 
know, face to face. I don't know. I love that. I love the concept yes. of it. Okay. So tell yeah. me the bravery. What, what, uh, geez, like so much of this is like all the odds are against you. What a traumatic experience. How do you get to the next level there? Okay. So, um, when it came to my third baby, having the next one, my approach was I'm going to change all of the factors that I can to, to potentially avoid repeating the same sort of setup. Okay. So instead of having my baby in the hospital, like I did for the first two, I chose a birth center. Instead of working with my same OBGYN, I chose female certified nurse and midwives. Um, and instead of just going in and getting an epidural, which I don't criticize that at all, but that was what I did the first two times. I wanted to switch it up. So I said, okay, I'm going to do unmedicated labor and I'm going to have a doula and I'm going to listen to my body. Cause I think a lot of my postpartum struggle also came from sort of the epidural hangover where my back was hurting so badly because mm-hmm. I just laid on a table on my back to have, you know, to give birth, which is most times like the opposite of what your body really wants and mm-hmm. needs. So it just obliterated my back. And I, I've always been afraid of pain medications. My dad got addicted to oxycodone in the eighties, nineties, which is kind of when the oxycodone crisis thing was happening. So anyway, um, so yeah, so I just changed it all up and I hired a doula, um, and she, I hired her, we paid like, we did not have the money at that time to be paying for help, but that I think is what makes it all so, gosh, I don't know, heroic, valuable. That's, I I just think like when you can't afford the help, it, it like, I don't know. I am so against, I don't know, I shouldn't say against, but um, I think it's dangerous ground to walk on when we, as mothers who are bearing children, we're in the real game of life. Okay, this is like, childbirth can be a life or death affair, you know, and not just the physical in the hospital or whenever you're actually delivering, but the postpartum period is also still, we're at risk for a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. And so to tell yourself you can't afford it, it would be like saying like, I can't afford to have a baby, which is fine. Maybe you decide that before you bring the baby into the world. But once the baby's there, like you got to come full circle, you got to take care of yourself the whole way through. And sometimes that looks like your mental and emotional health. Mm-hmm. We can't just, dis- we can't discount that. That's so true. Because what, like what's our physical health if we don't have mental and emotional stability? Yep. We're not, we're not there. We're present. We're not present. We're, we're fuzzed out. <laughs> yeah. call it. Numb. We're numbed out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, and it was great. Like my labor was beautiful. My delivery, um, postpartum recovery was so much better physically, but I still did struggle, um, month three and let's see month. Yeah. Month three, four and five were when I had postpartum depression, the depression was much more prevalent this time over the anxiety the second time. And what do you think brought that on the most? Like, what were what was the most constant thought in your mind during that time frame? Okay, well, so your first question that you just said was, what do you think brought it on the most? And totally, this is what I've learned in hindsight was my, my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And my main thought, so I, like I know part of you guys might be like, oh, but depression is hormonally based, or oh, it's got to do with the iron levels, or or, um, minerals in your body. Like I am totally of that discussion. I'm like, amen. Let's talk to the doctor. Let's see whoever we need to see to get the physical stuff. But at the end of the day, the way you think is just as important, if not more important than any of those factors. I am so with you on that 100%. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, like, possibly I was low on some vitamins for sure. I'm, I'm sure that I was. And, and the therapist that I saw did give me a sort of like a supplement regimen. It was it was a little bit helpful, but definitely what made the most impact was when I started looking at my thoughts and taking responsibility for my thoughts and realizing, okay, my thoughts create my feelings, not my children. Cause my older two were a big struggle and part of my, like my thoughts about my older two toddlers, um, especially when I was sleep deprived and stuff, like my carelessness in my mental game definitely contributed to the weight that I felt on my shoulders. And I only can say that in hindsight friends. So, so like, if you're feeling weight, don't be like, oh, well, I should just know better or I should just think better. Like, we don't know these things. We're not taught these things growing up, like in the social climate that we have here in America and the school system. Like, we're not taught emotional adulthood. We're really not. Yeah, that's true. We're really not at all. It's it's totally ignored. Well, like the concept that your thoughts create your feelings and that you're responsible for your emotions isn't really taught. So anyway, to wrap that up, um, it was my thoughts. And my biggest thought really was... Um, like, I just can't. Like, it was just this pure resistance of what was for me at that time. Just like, I just can't. This is just too much. This is crazy. Like, I can't do this. I can't do it alone either. And that was the other. I had a lot of loneliness, a ton of self-pity, which I do not judge anybody in that spot. That's just where I was. I don't judge my past self for being there. Um, that's kind of just where I was at. Well, you do the um, best with the tools you have, right? Like, when you have such again. a, you do the best with what tools you have at the time, you know? is when you decide that the tools that you've been taught, whether it's from your family growing up, whether it's your school system, all of the above, the sum of all parts is not enough for the person you want to be. And like, you don't like what it's giving you in your life. You don't like where you're at, especially struggling postpartum, hire a life coach, get more tools. Like at that point, it becomes your responsibility and our, and it's our privilege. It really is so fun. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of brings me to our favorite question that we ask is, you know, Lizzie, on your worst day, like your darkest, darkest day since you became a mom, like what would you go back and look her in the eyes and say to her coming from where you're at today, what would you tell her? I would tell her start by telling one person the truth, right? Like we tell our husbands a little bit like, Hey, just so you know, like, I haven't really felt myself lately. We don't tell him I thought about drowning my child in the bathtub. Okay, we don't. Yep. We're so scared of that because it scares us. But you've got to just pick one person on this planet. If it's me, I don't care. Come talk to me. You got to tell one person and that will stop the shame cycle. Because as, as long as you're hiding and you're scared and you're in shame about what you're going through, you are suffocating alone and you can't get help. <laughs> Sorry, I get emotional. Mm. That is why I do what I do. That's why I'm a coach for moms is because we don't need to be there. And so if you can just tell one person, for me, I was literally listening to the the, the life coach that I eventually hired, Jody Moore. She's so amazing. I was listening to her podcast and um, some 11 year old with depression that she, which was, I was amazing. She was interviewing her and her advice was just tell one person. And so I echo that. And and that's actually what made me stop and and call my husband and tell him what I had just thought, which was a scary, scary thought. Um, And the crazy part is I had kind of, I had kind of told myself like, like I I wasn't even phased by that thought. That's how normal, you know, that's the emotional climate I was living in. 
Um, but she helped me realize how not normal that was and, and that it was okay to tell someone about it. And so once I did that, that's when we made the decision to move, to put our house on the market. I was just like, I couldn't be alone with the kids. We didn't have the money to like hire full-time childcare. I didn't want to do an inpatient facility. So my sweet in-laws graciously offered to have us in their home for a bit. And that's why I live in Colorado, y'all. That's, that's what brought us up here. Although I love it now. I love the Rocky Mountains, but I do miss Arizona sometimes, especially in the winter. <laughs> I bet. Well, man, I, how can people get a hold of you for coaching? If they're interested in coming to you for coaching, how can they get to you to get that going? And what's your information for that? Totally. So you can just email me directly. Okay. So it's Liz, L-I-Z, Langston, L-A-N-G-S-T-O-N, coaching at gmail.com. I take interest in coaching seriously I want to help a mom that's struggling so just email me if you're ready to like book a consult if you're if you just want to get to know me more and like you like what I've had to say and you just kind of want to hang out with me a little more and get to know me just visit my Instagram and come follow me there and interact I'm there like almost every day in Instagram stories and posting so I'm just at Lizzie Langston L-I-Z-Z-I-E-L-A-N-G-S-T-Y and also, I'm going to give a shameless plug for your newsletter that I get in my email. It is oh amazing. I love it. And it's always a topic. It's like you're so in tune with moms. It's always yeah. something that I'm like, oh, yes. So anyways. It, it is a little creepy how in tune <laughs> with my audience I am. So yeah. fair warning. If you I come hang it. out with me, you'll be like, oh, she's speaking my language, my soul. <laughs> Oh, you're so amazing. Thank you so much. And everybody out there, I will make sure to tag her and put her information in the bio and um, underneath also on Instagram, we'll tag her. So Lizzie, thank you for giving us time. I know you're a busy woman and I just appreciate your heart, who you are and what you're doing for all of us women out there. Thank you. I love you all. I love mamas. And my biggest wish for all of you is that you will help yourself, put yourself first. I know it's a new skill. It is a skill. It's, it's a mm-hmm. mental shift and it's not really one that we need to have before we're struggling postpartum, but during the postpartum struggle, it's, it's the most important and I can totally help you with that. So come find me. Yay. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you for listening to the rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at rising at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.